Welcome to episode 99 of the Steady On podcast, Money Mindset, with me, Angie Bauman, and my guest today, Cassie Rywich. I've been getting to know Cassie a bit over the last year or year and a half. Cassie is the director of the Red House Writers Collective, a group that I joined late in 2020, and a group that has helped me connect and grow and develop. And now Cassie and I both serve on Kathy Lipp's team. And admittedly, Cassie has a great deal more responsibility than this new intern does. But on Kathy's team, we all work and learn together, which is one of the things I love best about it. From the first time Cassie introduced herself to those of us in the collective, I was drawn to her. There's an honesty about Cassie that I admire. She's honest about who she is, where she's come from, what she's learning, where she's growing. And in all of that honesty, what impresses me the most is her lack of apology. This is me, Cassie declares. I'm imperfect, and that's okay. Which is why I am delighted to share Cassie and her passion to help others make friends with their finances with you. In our conversation today, you'll hear Cassie talk openly about facing a $50,000 debt, not once, but twice and how allowing God to open her heart to deeper issues of what was causing the debt is how she helped herself and now others live in more financial freedom. My verse for today is one that is dearly personal to me. It's Matthew 6, 21, hear it in the NIV. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Cassie has experienced a lot of changes in her life. And as you listen to her talk today, I think you'll agree with me that the most significant change for her has been what she treasures. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome to this podcast episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is my dear ministry friend. Is it okay if I call you that, Cassie? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> my dear ministry friend, Cassie Rywich, who's going to talk to us a little bit about finances. So Cassie, welcome to the Steady On community. Angie, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have this conversation because as I told you before we pressed record, this is the first time that I've had a guest talk about money. And it's not because I don't want to talk about money because I think money is such a very important thing. I've said before, I don't think we talk about sex or money enough in the church. I think those are things that we tend to just like leave alone. And I think, uh, I think we don't help ourselves, our people, our children by not talking about them. So I'm just delighted that you're here and we're going to have this conversation. So Cassie is a speaker and she's a coach and she's also the director of the Red House Writers Collective, which I've been a part of for, this is the second year that I've been in that. And I love, love, love it. But She's also a woman who found herself in debt and in what she calls some pretty crappy life messes. I pulled that right off your website. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that just a little bit. Um, but now she's done some like slow, hard work that's helped her live more bravely and help women, other women do the same. And, you know, it's really interesting, Cassie, even before I ask you the first question, you know, like money to, to me has been something that's been a slow process. Also, when my husband and I got married, we both brought quite a bit of debt to our marriage and we had student loan debt, we had credit card debt. And right away we made this decision to get out of debt, but we had to do that very slowly. It was a commitment that took a lot of time. And we, I think partly because we did it slowly, we've able, we've been able to stay out of debt and the way that that's brought so much financial freedom, not just funny, but just freedom to our lives has just been such a gift. And so, um, but it was hard. Th there were 
times in the, in the early marriage, that that was just a really hard process. And I wonder if you might start us off by just giving us a little bit of your backstory and where did your debt come from? Maybe how did that become a burden to you? And maybe what was a turning point that helped you say, I don't want to do this anymore. It is a slow process. <laughs> it is a slow pro- It was for us. I remember yeah. I'll, I said, I remember I had this file folder that I don't, I don't mm-hmm. even think I had a computer that we got married in 98. Maybe we had a computer, but I had this file folder and I would list all the credit cards that we had debt on. And then I would watch for 0% cards. And when I could, I would transfer them to the 0%. Oh. And, I was just, and I remember when I got everything on one card. And like what I'm like, all the debt now is like in one place because we had all these. Yeah, exactly. And over time, I just kept working at it and quote for it. And I'd keep Mm. a 0% until that one expired. And then I'd look for Mm. another one, you know, and that, yeah. And I'd move things around until, and it kept getting smaller, but man, it took a long time. You know, there's not a one size fits all. (laughs) So I like hearing how you did that because sometimes it doesn't matter how you arrived. Right. Yeah. So, but to answer your question, um, I had um, 50,000 50, of debt and then I had another 50,000. So mine was a slow, painful process of debt mm-hmm. and how I got there. And, um, and it was in two segments. So the first time I arrived there, I take full blame for as a, um, I was homeschooled. I was raised by my parents who never had debt. And I got into a relationship uh, with a young man and um, I went into the mayor, uh, into the relationship with a $10,000 credit card and that had nothing on it. And I just like babied that little thing like, oh, you're so pretty over there, but I would never touch it, you know? Uh, even though it was quite a wild rebel thing, but I, I knew that was just a sweet little gift as if I was going to use it one day for something, you know, uh, but uh, I wound up getting in this relationship and, and, and it was an abusive relationship. It was a very toxic relationship. And, and because I was young and vulnerable, um, I let power go into somebody else's hands and ultimately that went into a marriage and a divorce and I walked away with 50,000 and it was all in my own name and a little girl. (laughs) And so there I sat um, and I sat at the table going, okay, let's see, Uh, what are we going to do here? Because I had to come up with a plan and a strategy. And so I wound up filing bankruptcy on that so that I could get into college um, instead of paying it all off. And so here I am 24 facing, you know, bankruptcy and what a ding and what a hit uh, to your pride. Um, Then the second 50 came because I did not have, um, so that majority was student loans because I didn't have, I wanted to fast track. Right. And so I, you know, and I believed that 50,000 served a better purpose. And I see the value in that debt, but it still was debt. And so I, um, so the part where I decided enough is enough because that 50,000, uh, then I wound up working for university of Phoenix. I took on 20,000 because you can work at university of Phoenix, get your master's program and still get financial aid. Isn't that a win for everybody? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I did not need it, mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, everybody celebrated it there. You can take your master's and you can get $20,000. And we're just like, hooray. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So as dumb as that was, I have to pay for that. I have to pay for that. So that was another 50 with student loans and, and debt. And um, that, that one is when I started scrambling and it had overcome me and I wasn't making the, um, the payments. I, so it was just completely out of control. And I met my now husband and he started listening to Dave Ramsey and he just started kind of asking questions, but I didn't know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. But together with him, we began to figure things out, but I was still single. Um, and I had to pay off my debt as a single woman dollar by dollar out of my own pocket. <laughs> So that was the, but the breaking point was it was just too, it was out of control. And I knew that you can't go anywhere with it. I want to circle back to something you just said, because I think it's really interesting, this contrast, because in like almost the same sentence, you talked about how everybody was celebrating the extra $20,000 and it was such a dumb thing to do. Right. Like, you know, and I, and I think dumb maybe is a, a little bit harsh, but I'm just repeating what you said. Right. Yeah. But I'm like, why is that? Why do you think we make that decision? Well, one, why is it celebrated when it's not a smart thing to do? Why do you, what do you think about that? Why do we sell? Why would we be like, yay, this is just the best thing. And you have access to this money when the reality is it's this, this temporary thing, because it's going to bite you later down the road. I don't know if we were all in our late (laughs) twenties, you know, so you're just, you don't have children yet. You don't have this, but um, debt is or free, it sounds like free money is a great thing. And we will just kick the can down the road and we will enjoy right now. And isn't that true for all kinds of things that aren't good for us? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you see as you work with women now who are trying to get, make friends with their finances, as you said, right? Because a lot of times we feel like our finances are out to get us or we're working real hard, but we don't have things to show for it. What are some of the practical things that are causing people to be in debt? What are you seeing? Well, you had the student loans, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of um, does it. Cars, uh, cars for mm. sure. Vehicles. Oh my gosh. The coveting, the coveting of our vehicles, um, which the, you know, the, de- the degree is for the student loans, for the job, for the money that we can make money, you know? And then you've just got your piddly things because you have to live a certain, you know, standard of, you know, even grocery shopping or something. And it's just those little things that all ultimately add up. But I would say a car, if you had to pick one thing, it's going to be the car. What do you offer advice on cars? Like, what do yeah. Can we, (laughs) what, what do you tell us when it comes to our vehicles? I would, I say that you drive a car that's paid off, but if you cannot, you work really hard to pay it off. You put all your money into paying that thing off. And then uh, if you don't like that car or you want a new car, you've got to put that car payment in a savings account until you get there and you just continue to flip it till you arrive. And that is when we covet that, there is so much that goes on in here. I think a lot of people just think they, a car payment is a given, like it's just mm-hmm. something that, Oh, I did. That yeah. was the hardest thing for me to let go. That was the most painful, most painful thing for me Why? because I had believed the lie that a car payment meant a nice car and a nice car meant I would never break down. Oh, 
and I would always be safe. Okay. Dependable. Mm-hmm. It's more dependable. And mm-hmm. so the three to $700 a month, whatever range you're in was security. And so I always budgeted for that. And so you just really retrain your mind. Once you've got your three to six months income in place, there's your security and then your emergency fund in place. And then you begin to tackle and flip the car till it gets to the point to where it's nice. So the women that you work with that are struggling with debt, what would you say some of the emotions are as they're, cause I think it's heavy. I think that's one word that comes to mind. A burden comes to mind, but emotionally, what are some of the women dealing with? Well, I was, you know, as a single mom for 10 years. And so in that area, which it's still similar, it's very similar, but for single parents, you're dealing with um, the pain of a divorce and wanting to give your children, you're still, you know, depending on what neighborhood and what area of the world you live in, you feel pressure to give to your children, maybe what you didn't have. Um, But especially single parents, they tend to have this guilt, you know, that I have got. So there's that guilt of that or the shame or the regret. That is a big driving factor. Um, Regret that they made the decisions. Yeah, that the family isn't the unit anymore. And so they believe that this money is going to fix these things. You know, it's going to pay it off eventually. And now I've got to redeem it. And so my yes is backed up by my finances. Um, So, but that is true for both, both, but the single, you know, being a single mom, you feel it even, even more so possibly depending on what that looks like, if there's no child support or the father's not around. And then for um, us, us married people, <laughs> um, that's because that's a world that I've, I've been in both worlds. You're feeling, um, especially depending on where you're at, you're, you've got to give your child a quality education. So if it's private school, you've got to keep up their sports. I mean, the activities, um, their clothes, the labels. So, so definitely children um, and just in gift giving and family members with gifts. Um, well, this family gives, you know, this family member has a lot of money. And so she gives these kind of gifts. So I have to match that. I have to give those kind of things, uh, you know, then with women, we have makeup, we have wardrobe, we have hair, like, you know, it's just going to keep going. You have belts, you have purses, you have shoes. It does not stop the marketing on women and yes. to hit our pocket in every which direction. If you are not anchored if you're not, if you have been rocked by pain and trauma and hurt and disappointment and all the things and that inner healing has not really been a breakthrough, then our mind and the stories and, and then you've got growing up from poverty, right? You are gonna just be vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerable. Hey friend, I'm jumping in right here to let you know I'm starting something new. I've been working hard behind the scenes to develop a steady on internship program, and I currently have openings for two new team members. One position is with my step-by-step Bible study method. The other is with podcasting. So if you are a woman who desires to grow your expertise in speaking, writing, and ministry leading, a year-long internship with steady on may be the next right step for you. During your internship, I will help you build skills to grow your ministry as you support me in mine. Details and a link to the internship application are in today's show notes. If you're even a tiny bit interested, I would absolutely love to talk to you more. Mm -hmm. 
we need our children. We need an outlet. So we find joy in this. This is, it has become our joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how do you help them find as they're letting go? Let's say it this way, as they're letting go, maybe you're trying to let go of some of that high, the spending high, what, what are we, what are we highing on instead? I like to make up words. Uh, what can Love we, that word. <laughs> what can we cling to? I mean, I know the answer is Jesus, but I'm always looking for practical things. Like what are we clinging to? Yeah, Cause the answer is not high. Jesus in the middle of that, right? right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. People not are in the middle like, of that oh, conversation. That's real helpful right now. Yeah. I, that is the answer. However, how do we get to a place where we understand that's an answer? Well, first we have, I have, they have to trust me that I'm not going to, I'm not good. Cause many times like, I'm going to go talk to her. Cause she's going to tell me I can't have nothing. Right. Yes. So it's, it's the bit by bit, it's yeah. bit by bit. And, um, it's just, you know, it's shifting the way we look at one thing. Um, oftentimes it's, um, keeping the focus on the outcome yeah. and what you're, what you're pursuing and where you want to be in five, 10 years or, you know, and that feeling and how good that's going to feel yeah. and keeping them there instead of the, the pulling, nagging of what I don't have, what I should have, where I should be, what I don't, because that can begin to feel hopeless. Yeah. Yeah, Desperate. I I don't want to get out of debt because that's going to take me way too long. I should already be there. Right. Mm -hmm. Too long. It's going to take too long. Yeah. I think, I think being able to, uh, accept the fact that it's a long process and also I'm really bad at this. And so it comes to mind all the time is being able to celebrate the progress that you are making, uh, because sometimes it just seems like you still have so far to go in whatever your goal is. Right. But to say, Oh no, but this month I did put away what would equal half a car payment for later or what, you know, as I'm saving for a new car or something and say, no, you are making progress this month. You did add extra on this or that bill, you know? And, um, I think those are really important things too. Finding joy. Yes. Finding joy in the delightful things that you can do without it. So for us, it was yogurt on Fridays. We wouldn't eat out for a while or once a month for a while, you know, while I'm paying off debt, but where did I, what could I do and where could I find joy in new places? Yeah. And so why yogurt? I want to hear the story. Well, my daughter, she was young when I was getting out of debt and, um, that that was her, that was her clincher. Mm -hmm. I sealed the deal with the yogurt and, you know, every child is different. Every family is different and you can find joy for your family. But, but Jaden, my, um, at the time she was 10, 11, 19, depending on it was three and a half years. So I was going to ask you that three and a half years. And then after you're out of debt, you're still trying to get your three to six month income saved, you know? So yeah, it was yogurt, yogurt for a while. (laughs) I think that's really good though. Like what can you say yes to yourself or to your kids or whatever the case may be? No, we can't go out to, we can't order pizza at home because then you're talking delivery fee and tip and all that kind of stuff. Maybe and it adds up so much, but we can go to this restaurant on Tuesday nights because that's the night kids eat free. And so for whatever, you know, uh, we can go do that. And maybe the kids know that maybe they don't, but what can you say yes to uh, amidst in the midst of what you're feeling like is a lot of no's as you're making some yep. habit changes. It does. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel? You talk about how being weighted down by debt limits us from living out our calling. What, what's that about for you? Why do you think that's true? When we want to live in his will, there's a lot of noise, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. The world is bombarding us. Um, it's heavy that 
spirit of the world. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, isn't it just sometimes feel like it's knocking in every direction around us? And I believe God's called us to be free, you know, um, emotionally, spiritually, physically heal, healing, uh, and financial freedom. And so the financial piece, and, and as the body of Christ, I think we all offer to come together to the whole. So I do not believe that finances dictate and run us. And I don't, and I know that the Bible verse is there will always be poor among you. Um, but I believe some people have, um, there is a calling of wealth and there is a gift of this management and they should lend it back to others. So, but in, in that particular question on slavery of finances, uh, you can, you are not so free to just do that. If he says move, maybe you can, because you're going to walk away from it. That doesn't feel easy. That doesn't feel good to walk away from my debt. Um, when he and so the 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 debt restricts us from moving as the spirit leads yes. because we can't take that job or we can't move there or we can't do this or I can't put them there because now I am a slave to every bill that has come in. Yes, yes, it, it eliminates like the margin, right? When every dollar is our, when every dollar is already committed. And I'm not talking about like budget, like to, to, you know, tell your money where to go kind of committed, but when every dollar is spent before it's made, maybe I'll put it that way, then I sure would like to help with that mission, or I should like to sponsor that child, or I should would like to give extra at church, or I should sure would like to help in this or that, or, um, or yeah, I would like to work less so that I can volunteer more, or, you know, none, those things become, knows immediately because you, you don't have the option to answer that call. You're right not, away. you're limited. Let's just, let's be honest. In, in my debt time, I was not doing the 10, even doing 10%. Yeah. I was not even doing 10%. So, so now as Christians, we are not even sewing into any field. Yeah. We are sewing into nothing. Yeah. And I'm not a big one on, you know, let's not talk about where it has to be sewn and all of this stuff. But if God prompts you to give something, you can't even take care of your own household. How on earth are you going to step up and serve? And so, so many of us as Christians, and especially in America, have forfeited the right to sow into other fields. We have forfeited our right to have increase and abundance and favor in this area because we've come under slavery of an entire system that now tells us who we are. There is no freedom in that. And who Ooh, is it? I'm sorry, no, I get passionate. I <laughs> Who is it telling us that we are? Do you know? I like, I like that point very much. Who, who do you think the world is telling us that we are? You mean, who are they telling the, what would we say that we are then? Yeah. You know, cause you said that, cause the war, I, I don't want to misquote you, but you were saying we don't have the ability to live out our calling and be like free in the spirit, if you will, because the world and all its demands and its noise is telling us that we are, or need to be something else. What do you think it's what do you think it is telling us? Well, I mean, if you took it really deep, they're gonna, there are, you know, supposedly so many personalities that we mimic. And so you're going to become your favorite, whatever, whatever is your idol, you are going to try to obtain. And if it's a certain family, 
If it's a certain somebody, we will fall into the desires of mimicking that and never find our true identity in Christ. Mm, that's so, so when we see uh, a, a house decorated a certain way and we compare ours to theirs and we admire that, then we spend money to try to have that or dressed a certain way or drive a certain way or send your kids to the certain whatever or sports things. I know in our area, like what I call pay to play, like there's so many like travel leagues and different things that people spend so much money on, like things like that. Yeah. And um, you know, yeah. gosh, I, I am not, I am not against any of that. Nope. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, yep. Oh no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. But when we put the horse before the cart or the yes. cart before the horse or whatever, and yes. it's not aligned, mm-hmm. it's not aligned. Yeah. Yeah. I love in Hosea six, six, there's this verse that I go back to all the time that talks about how, um, don't, I don't want your, I don't want your worship and your sacrifices. I want your heart basically is what the, the idea of the scripture verse says. And I think about that with what you're saying right now, because it's not, because God is not saying your worship or your sacrifices are a bad thing, right? Like you were just saying, like this sports team or this new couch or this, that, you know, whatever, these are not in itself bad things, but it depends on what's motivating that thing. Yeah. And if he's called you to be there, Yep. then there is alignment and there are yep. assignments mm-hmm. that will be favored and blessed. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What a beautiful thing to see his hand move in those mm-hmm. places. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice in your own life that your debt was, did you, did you have a specific place where you could tell that your debt was keeping you from living out your calling? He set me free almost with simultaneously emotionally and spiritually and financially it began at the same time the same time he started working in all the areas so I when I was uh, went through and I I know this is a really iffy word here but I'm gonna use the word deliverance (laughs) when he set me free uh and I had to use the word deliverance here (laughs) it was it was a radical transformation and um that night my mind was released and I could see, and it began to boom. And I had dreams and my vision and the visions all began to come flowing in that, in that, that place. Um, I think I had already been on my financial journey of becoming debt-free, but it was all within the same years, you know, two years, it took three and a half years to be financially free, but in those three years. So that is when I began to see, uh, because I had always been very good at what I put my hands to in my career, but when he was time to pivot that, I was already financially free. And so I had been, he had been stirring inside of me, but he knew, you know, these timing, these pieces, I was not going to be able to launch into this new place had my finances, they would have dictated that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So it evolved mm-hmm. from beyond that, you know, cause things do, but absolutely. I can see back how his trajectory and his hand was very much on moving through, um, those pivots and those, those moving points. And he yeah. knew what I needed. He knows what we need yeah. to get unstuck. Yeah. And I, and it builds a trust muscle in us too. I think, you know, when you're in a process for three and a half years, getting out from under the weight of debt, 
And then you have this kind of experience where the Lord is calling you to maybe let go of something of your career that you thought was secure and try something maybe that sounds like maybe it was less secure or a little bit more risky, whatever. Um, then you have this experience with him of over the last three and a half years, as I've trusted you, you have continued to show up and taken care of me, even when I doubted maybe that I could take care of myself or that if I said these no, you know, things that it would still be there. And it has been. And so now that we're at this place and I've watched what you've done in my life now, as you call me to this, I think we have, we have the ability to have anyway, this like stronger trust muscle and say, yes, you have shown me how you keep your promises. And so I'm going to trust that you're going to keep them in this next season too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So if someone's listening and they're like, well, that's all good for you, Cassie, because you're on the other side of this now, (laughs) but I'm in a hot mess of, you know, debt, or I am a single mom and I'm trying to do this on my own, or I've just been living this way a really long time. What, what are some practical first steps? Because I mean, I know in my years of ministry, I've had people come to me, you mentioned the 10% before, and they would say, you know, I I can't begin to give 10%. And I'm like, that's okay, give one and see what happens, right? Live without one and see what happens. And then next year, try two, if you can, but watch how he blesses you. Watch how he fills the gap that right now you're not sure how he can fill. But if someone comes to you, what are just some practical initial first things that you would say, okay, yeah, we're not going to get out of this, this week where, but this is where we're going to start. I think this is one reason why I work with Christian uh, women that have desires and dreams, because I think it really starts with uh, welcome, welcoming him into that space. You know, there's definitely practical things like let's let's look at a spending, but you know, spending plan, if you don't like the word budget, and let's see where we can just you know, doesn't create too much pain, but what's your threshold? Where can you do that? But absolutely welcoming him in, because I think a lot of what happened for me was, was the surrender because I began to surrender. I mean, he led me into this, these powerful prayers on my way to work 30 minutes back and 30 minutes there, I began to um, surrender. I mean, and that was just his spirit um, moving, but when our pain, it gets so much when we get to those points that causes us to either continue to run farther from him or it presses us into him and so at that point of pressing in one of the best things is to say I welcome you into my finances I welcome you in give me the strategy give me the wisdom put wise counsel in my life and expect him to show up in unique sweet ways that are established just for you and him Mm, I love that there's a freedom in say, I love that invite. I invite you into my finances. Cause I remember when my husband and I kind of early in our marriage decided no more, we're going to do this differently. I hadn't looked at the total, like ever really, you know, the total of what we owed between student loans. Cause we had this little student loan and this little student loan and this, you know, variety of credit cards. We probably, I mean, each of us had, we both had four or five that had, you know, a few thousand dollars on them. And, um, and when I, one day when we started the journey, and I, I just, I got all the bills with the current balances. I got all the statements with the student loans. I wrote it all down on one piece of paper. Um, it makes me emotional saying it right now. And I'm like, I'm just going to look at it though. And mm-hmm. we're just going to look at it together. And say, this is where we are. Mm-hmm. And I feel no judgment from the Lord. I, feel, right. I don't feel any judgment from 
Matt, my husband, you know, at the time we just were in this together and this is the truth of where we are. And something even about for me, that process of uh, looking at it all and, Mm -hmm. and acknowledging the truth of it was very freeing. And then I felt sort of, I don't know, empowered to say, Mm -hmm. yep. And so now we begin. Mm -hmm. I love that. That was the same tears I had when Daniel said, my husband now, and we were talking, he said, it was a very intimate moment and it was very hard question for him to ask. And he said, do you have any debt? You know, we'd just been dating. I don't know, maybe not even a year, mm-hmm. you know, and it was really hard for him to ask. And he had the same amount of debt. He had debt, but mm-hmm. he didn't know I had debt, but I didn't even think about his debt. And if he had debt, I was so consumed with the fact that I had debt yeah. and I just started crying. Mm-hmm. I was so ashamed. I did yeah. not want to tell him mm-hmm. that I had the debt. And I said, yes. And I said, and it bothers me so much. And I just started bawling. Well, you know what that man, he never did cry a tear at all, you know, and he, there's just, you know, not men, there's still shame. There's still shame for both of us, but why on earth was I over here crying and choking up? And he was like, okay, you know, they're there. Okay. Well, we'll just figure this out. I was like, uh, listen here, buddy, you going to spit out your number, you know, but I think there is some free, once it's been said, and the person didn't leave. And the person in this case is Jesus, right? I think once we, we lay it out, not like he doesn't already know, but once we know, and we know he knows, then I think that's the place that we can move forward. Yeah. So tell me as you're doing this work with with yourself, but with other people, is there a favorite Bible verse passage character in the story, in the Bible, anything like that, that you hang on to that you go back to, that's really gives you encouragement and strength? Well, there's like 10 million when it comes to different areas, right? Because you're in different phases. Everyone's yeah. in a different season. But if I had an umbrella one, it would be um, John 15, 5. Um, if you abide in me and I abide in you, um, you will re- you remain in me and I in you. <laughs> you the will one about abiding. Fruit. <laughs> you'll bear much fruit. Yes. Yes. And it's not even financial fruit. Mm-hmm. It's not even financial fruit. It's just, oh, we're going to be fruitful. Yeah. And, but it can be. And I think that's the thing, like, um, wealth isn't good or bad. The absence of wealth isn't good or bad. I, I think it's so important for us to know I, I've served, served in a lot of different churches in my adult life and growing up a preacher's kid and all that. And it's so interesting that every faith community that I've ever been a part of has had at least someone, depending on the size of the community, that was blessed financially. Uh, and I believe that the, the and, and was generous with their finances because ministry takes money and things in the world take money. And so people who have money and have money well, if you will, um, are a vital part of the kingdom of God. I believe that. So, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I really do. And, and, and ultimately, we just want to be in his will. We want to be in him and we yeah. want him to be in us in, yeah. that, in that way. So yeah. if you're going in that direction, then his will will be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So before I let you go, I always like to close on this. Will you give us just a little peek into your life right now and tell me, is there anything at all that you are reading, listening to, watching, studying, participating in anything goes that's helping you stay connected to God right now. How are you abiding in the season of your life, Cassie? Well, I had a few things that I was going to share, but I think I'm just going to share that my husband and I in this new 
place, right? We had 2020. <laughs> did we not? Okay. We and then we had 2020 for like two more years, you know, it's like, it's not, not going away. And, you know, we've been married for 10 years, but we started a 90 day prayer fast and the connections that have been amazing in that. Uh, and then we did that. So that was September to December. And then we did, and we're in the middle of another three week fast and ultimately what I have learned is that this new place that the body of Christ is go, the direction he's moving us for those that want that increase of favor and faith an increase of faith an increase of hope and the desires and the sweetness and his his fruitfulness and the harvest and the plenty and abundance whether it's peace hope love whatever there is a come in closer to me come in close and yes I mean even for those who think that they are already close because can we get too close to the almighty (laughs) and there is a leveling up and uh from for all levels for all levels and so um that has kept my ear leaning in so that when he says move to the left move to the right um, I can trust that I can hear him. Yeah. Yeah. The sheep that know his voice, right. Mm-hmm. When he calls us left or right, or when he calls us to speed up or slow down, uh, we don't recognize that calling if we don't recognize the voice. And so yeah. how do we keep our heart and our ears, our, our heart ears in tune with what that voice sounds like. Yeah, Yeah. that's beautiful. Is there a resource you're using for that? Or is that something that y'all are doing on your own? Do you know? We like, um, pastor Jensen Franklin out of Georgia with, um, I think it's free chapel. And so, uh, he did the, the, the prayer fast. Um, and then he's doing this one. Most, most churches do the three week, but, um, doing it with my husband's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Cassie, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I'm going to link Cassie is, can be found at CassieRyewich.com. I will link that and other places where you can find and follow her in today's show notes. And we're just delighted to have had you spend this time with us, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for listening until next time. Peace. Cassie, thank you so much again for sharing your story and bringing your encouragement. Friend, if you're not friendly with your finances, please know that you're not alone. You are brave and you are strong and you can begin to take steps towards more financial freedom. Cassie and I have both been there and it is a long road, but I think that taking the first step is the hardest one of all. Cassie has some free resources that might help get you started, and I've put that link in today's show notes. Next week on the podcast, I have a special treat for you. I will be celebrating the 100th episode of the Steady On podcast, and to mark the event, I've allowed a few friends to come in and turn the tables on me. They will be interviewing me instead of the other way around. We will talk a little bit about my story, about my ministry passion, and I've also agreed to answer some rapid fire questions that could lead us, well, pretty much anywhere. And that's all I'm going to share with you for now, but I promise you will not want to miss it. If you have time today, I'd love for you to rate and review this podcast on whatever podcast directory you use to listen. It only takes a second and that helps others find us. 
Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you're walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.